The New York Knicks were embarrassed by a no-name wizard squad this past Monday. <sighs> we talk about the depressing loss and the continued struggles with New York Post Knicks beat writer Mark Berman. And with Christmas here, we try to give you some holiday cheer with the 12 Days of Knicksmas, taking a look back at the 12 best Knicks from the past decade before we roll into 2020. All that and more next on Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Welcome to Big Apple Buckets, a New York Post, New York Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Kazim Famuide, a.k.a. Kaz. And you can follow me on all my social media channels, at Kazim, that's K-A-Z-E-E-M. Like we always do at this time, new episodes drop each and every Tuesday as we dive into everything Knicks with our team of New York Post writers and special guests. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you name it, we're everywhere. And of course, today we are joined by our buddy, Longtime New York Knicks beat writer and my man Mark Berman. Let's get this holly pod going, man. Let's go. It's going crazy. <laughs> Last night, the Knicks added to a season of embarrassing losses, losing to a Wizards team that could probably not get picked on the LA Fitness near you, 121 to 115. Uh, the only player who was worth a damn was Bradley Beal, but literally all these guys I've never even heard of. But the Knicks still managed to lose to those guys in an embarrassing effort under Mike Miller. Um, Man, uh, when it comes to losses this year, the Knicks have just been absolutely deplorable and just had some of the most embarrassing losses this franchise has ever seen. And uh, the frustrations were abound last night. If you listen to a lot of the post-game news and the post-game press conferences, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, and Damian Dotson specifically spoke about the lack of preparation that this team went through last night, including the morning shoot-around where it seemed like a lot of players lacked a lot of focus and wasn't ready to play. Um, Randle, Barrett, and Dotson, not surprisingly, had some solid games, but it seems like a cultural problem. Like I've been saying all season long, you could fire Dave Fisdale, you could make all the front office moves you want, you could hire David Blatt, to help overseas basketball operations with Perry and Mills, but it is a cultural problem in Madison Square Garden. The Knicks are now seven and 24, six and a half games back of the eighth seed and have lost three straight games. They're three and six under Mike Miller so far. It's been an up and down season for them. While they've had some sparks of joy, like the big win against the Atlanta Hawks and the two other ones on the road against the Wizards, um, they have regressed i mean there's nothing more left to be said man i mean i know it's the holiday season i know everybody wants to be in a good mood but if you're a knicks fan there's absolutely no way that you can feel any type of good about what's been going on with your team this year um it seems like this is the type of team that is gonna is just a ticking time bomb and with the trade deadline approaching in february and a lot of movable and fixable and flexible contracts that are ready to go and lo and behold probably happy to go as well um i think it's that time i think it's time to start blowing this thing up and start looking towards next season and really start from the ground up again when it comes to this franchise i know it's still kind of early when usually the season doesn't really start until after christmas but we're here the knicks are 7 and 24 and are trending 
towards only winning two more games than they won last year, which would make them a 19-win team. It's it's terrible, but they can always get back on the right track, get some good PR, get some good feelings, because the Knicks will host the Brooklyn Nets the Thursday after Christmas. Now, they are going to be without Kyrie Irving, but that doesn't really seem to matter because ever since they have had not had Kyrie Irving in the lineup, the Brooklyn Nets have been absolutely sensational. Spencer Dinwiddie has been playing on the all-star level, and if there's anything we know about the New York Knicks, they have absolutely no idea how to guard anybody on the perimeter, especially from downtown. If you need a career night, go against the New York Knicks, and I guarantee you, you will be in the back page of the post the very next day. I keep a, a strong eye on this game because there's certain losses that are inexcusable. And as inexcusable as this Wizards loss was to the Knicks last night, if they go and lay an egg against the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, you could, you could, you know, it's going to be a dead team walking from that point on. I'll be surprised if people aren't moved by, by the beginning of 2020 in January. Uh, so it's been it's been a rough season for us Knicks fans or for Knicks fans everywhere, just because there's just no consistency. There's nobody to really shoulder the load as far as uh, you know uh, writing the ship. I mean Marcus Morris. I mean granted he's the most tradable asset that we have, and he's been absolutely uh, brilliant from three points from through the three point line this entire season. But he could only do so much, and at best. In this NBA, uh, in this in this league, Marcus Morris is a great complimentary piece. He shouldn't be the guy that's carrying your entire team. Same with Julius Randle. We actually thought that you know he was up for a breakout season. I was one of those people who thought Julius Randle was going to shine bright in the New York Knicks spotlight. And as uh, outside from his uh, season high as a Nick last night against the uh, Washington Wizards. He's been another disappointment. I know that was sad to hear. I know that absolutely sucked. But today is Christmas Eve. Tomorrow's Christmas. And Hanukkah and Kwanzaa is coming. And New Year's Eve is right down the week. So I'm talking my man Jake Brown. Jake, have you done any Christmas shopping? And if you do, what do you get for a Knicks fan right now? that is sad and depressed and needs some holiday cheer this Christmas season? Liquor? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, wandering wines, maybe. I, I know you, you dabbled in some of that uh, at home with the wandering wines that Matthias Kiwanuka gave us. But Yeah, shout, shout out Matthias Kiwanuka. That wine was slapping, bro. I appreciate that. <laughs> it is the Christmas season. So, you know, before you speak to Mark Berman about everything Knicks, I think it was a good time for us to do the 12 Days of Knicksmas uh, it's, it's, it's been a long decade, you know, a long decade of losing a lot of losing. So I, I want to lob to you the 12 best Knicks of the decade from 2010 to 2019. And I know you guys did something similar with the best lineup for S and Y, but we want to, you know, give you the 12, at least the 12 best players that you and, and I think were the, were the most memorable players of the decade. Now this list gets pretty embarrassing at points. And it yeah, gets- I mean, I, I can already tell you, spoiler <laughs> alert, after like the fourth or fifth player, it gets real sketchy. Yeah, and it's so guys, guys who barely played. I mean, guys who had like one or two years. But remember, the Knicks did have a couple winning years. They had a 50-plus win year under Mike Woodson. So there were some good memories. So let's do it. Let's. I'm going to lob you the player, and you tell me your, your, you know, your favorite part of, about that player, favorite memories of that player. 
of the 12 days of Nick's myth. So I'll try to my best, you know, singing tone for each one. I'm deaf right now in my right ear. Uh, so I'm, I'm really fight. I'm putting my blood, sweat, and tears on the podcast right now. So let's start off with the obvious one. So on the first day of Christmas, what, how does it go again? My my uh, my true love gave to my me. My true love. See, I don't have a true love, so maybe that's why I forgot it. <laughs> Single and alone on Christmas this year, having Chinese food and going to see Mister Rogers. Uh, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Carmelo Anthony. It perfectly rhymes, and he obviously was Cass, the best player of the decade for the Knicks. Oh, far and away, and I'm so glad that uh, Melo's starting to get his flowers in Portland because I do think he was he was given a raw deal on his way out of New York. He's the one guy who actually wanted to come to New York City. He's the guy who wanted to take on the spotlight and take on the heavy lifting of bringing his franchise to prominence, and that's a lot more than we could say about a lot of the players of our generation because, uh, you know, Melo, you know, for, for the most part, mission was accomplished. I mean, he didn't bring a championship ring, but he had some great seasons. He led the league in scoring under the New York Knicks. He had a, that great 60-point game against the Charlotte Bobcats that I was there for. Um, he also helped lead the team to a 51 season. He was part of, you know, I guess for better or for worse, part of that Linsanity season as well. And not only did he come to the Knicks, he forced his way there. He made sure that he, he got there um not just you know waiting in free agency he wants to get there now and um you know i think he was the greatest nick of the decade by far without question he's uh one of the greatest nba players to ever live he's a first ballot hall of famer one of the top five or ten scorers of all time as far as i'm concerned and the fact that he put on a, a a new york knicks jersey and wore it so proudly and still has to this day despite you know it's it's very easy to to, to poo poo on the franchise, and he hasn't. He he's always taken the high road, and I don't think he gets enough credit for taking the high road, especially the way he was dogged out by this franchise. And remember that he will return to Madison Square Garden on New Year's Day, so we ring twenty twenty in with Mello's return to the garden, and we will probably be there. So maybe we'll catch up with Mello and check out his new hoodie collection. And you know, the the beautiful part about that is he's, he's going to get a standing ovation when he comes back to the garden. He's going to get a standing ovation, and deservingly so. And I honestly hope he lights the Knicks up because the Knicks had a chance to bring him back on this miserable team, and I hope he drops 50 on him because that's, that's what he deserves, and he's a great guy too. So on the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Amar Re, Amari Stoudemire, stat. Amari Stoudemire, a guy who doesn't get nearly enough credit as, I mean, maybe Melo steals the spotlight, but that one season that he came, you know, and signed as a free agent to the New York Knicks, he absolutely was, he might have had the best season overall of any Knick um, of the past decade. He was a 25-10 and 10 guy. He was a legit MVP candidate. Um, the Knicks were rolling when he was first here prior to the mellow trade. Um, and he's another guy who took on the uh, an enviable task of bringing the Knicks back. And, and he, he welcomed the city with open arms. He came. I'll never forget the day that he, he was walking around the garden saying the Knicks are back. And, uh, you know, that was another big free agent class of 2010. And the Knicks missed out on LeBron and, and Wade and Bosch. But... You know, at the time, 
at the time, Amari was a great consolation prize to not getting uh, those three guys or, or those two guys, rather. But uh, I'll never forget some of the great nights he had in the Garden, especially those first uh, that first half of the season in 2010 when he was absolutely unstoppable in the Eastern Conference. He started the whole turnaround. If you listen to Big Apple Buckets last week, you know that he was the original cast member of Kevin Garnett's role in Uncut Gems, but they chose not to go with him and aim higher than Amari Stoudemire. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. They didn't really give me this one. They threw him away in the trash. Kristaps Porzi. Kristaps Porzingis. Oh, boy. Kristaps Porzingis. It is a love-hate with Kristaps because, man, uh he was he he seemed like he was the 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 great white hope when it came to new york city man like he was drafted i remember uh this day uh vividly the day he was drafted because my my self and my uh unwilling nature to change or 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 be welcome to anything new wanted like emmanuel moutier that draft and then when we got to get a guy named uh uh as as Michael Rappaport called him, Tingus Pingus from Latvia that I never heard of. I was distraught. But Kristaps uh, quickly, you know, I've never seen a guy go from hated to beloved that quickly. Maybe probably since like Daniel Jones and the New York Giants gone from like, oh, my God, what are they doing drafting this guy to, oh, my God, this guy's our future so fast with those tip slams and that successful rookie year going up into his all-star uh, season that was cut short due to injury when he dunked all over the the current MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, Chris Stapps, man, he's the unicorn. He's a guy that uh, I know probably didn't want to leave New York City, but just, you know, he's seen what we're all seeing. It's a poorly run organization, and if you're going to waste your prime here trying to do something that people with lesser talents have tried to do and failed at, I don't see why you would want to stay. So, um, yeah, Chris Stapps. Love the guy. Wish he was still a Nick. I'm glad to see him uh, playing a little healthier now. And, uh, man, it, it, on the flip side, might go down as one of the more most lopsided trades in NBA history if uh, Dennis Smith Jr. doesn't pan out and the Mavericks continue to be great because those draft picks won't really amount to anything good that they got in, in, in favor of Chris Stapps. Daniel Jones was mentioned. Flip Cup will not be played over Christmas. Number four, <laughs> on the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me the Timmy Shimmy, Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> now, Tim Hardaway Jr. is is a rare is a, is a funny case because he was originally drafted. They let him go. They signed him for more money. And uh, I guess he was more known for that contract than he was for that production. Now, if you just look do a blind test and look at the production that he had, he was probably the best shooting guard that the Knicks had this decade next to uh, J.R. Smith, who we'll talk about later. Um, you know, he was a guy that I think if it wasn't for that big contract, they could probably still hold on to Kristaps Porzingis and not trade him. But, you know, it's uh, it was rough. It was sad, uh, like most things with the Knicks <laughs> this decade. But uh, it was, you know... He was, a, he was a very uh, solid player for the Knicks, even though defense was a lot to be left desired. A very good shooter and scorer when he got it hot. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler, the best center 
of the decade for the New York Knicks, a defensive player of the year, the linchpin for that 50-win season that the Knicks had in 2012. Um, a master of those offensive tip-outs that got so many great shooters from that Knicks team, wide-open looks, guys like Jarrah Smith, guys like Steve Novak, Jason Kidd, Raymond Felton, Carmelo Anthony. Tyson Chandler was the consummate leader and professional for the New York Knicks. And, uh, man, he's still going – to this day, he's an ageless wonder for the Houston Rockets right now. And uh, just as far as defense is concerned, an absolute stud on that side of the ball. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a bottle of Hennessy. No, it's Jair Smith. <laughs> oh, please don't ever sing again. But my personal my personal favorite Nick of the decade is my man Earl Smith III, also known as J.R. Smith. When I talk, man, there wasn't many more fun players to watch play in the game. There might have been better players. There might have been more productive players. But there was not many more fun things in the garden to watch a, a game when J.R. Smith got hot from deep and he's dancing and he's air guitaring and he's doing the salsa, hitting, hitting game winners and buzzer beaters and dunking on people's heads. J.R. Smith is also a local guy out of New Jersey, went to St. Benedict's High School, got to play against him in high school as well. J.R. Smith, an absolute fun, fun watch. Sixth man of the year as well for the New York Knicks. Love them. Love J.R. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Lynn Sanity, Jeremy Lynn. Oh boy, Jeremy Lynn, the old double-edged sword. If there's any proof to why people want to come to New York and make more money, Jeremy Lynn is it. He played three good weeks of NBA basketball and got a movie, got got sneaker deals, got paid for the rest of his life. But granted, those three weeks are probably the most magical weeks of any three weeks in this decade. Lynn Sanity absolutely not, didn't just take New York by storm, took the entire NBA world by storm. At one point, he was probably the most famous athlete on the planet, and I'm not BSing you. He was going up against Kobe Bryant, and more people were surrounding Jeremy Lynn's locker room than Kobe Bryant at one point. So as crazy as it was, Lynn Sanity was all that it was hyped up to be until he kind of came back down to earth. But, uh, Good for Jeremy Lynn, man. It was a fun time in New York. Man, I miss those times. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, probably my favorite player of all time, although he had a short stint with the Knicks, Jason Kidd. Yeah, one season, but what a what an impression he had. He was a coach on the floor. He was just he he had been robbed of some of the athleticism that he had for most of his year. But I mean, his his greatest attribute was always his mind. And anytime he was on the court, the Knicks just hummed like a well oiled machine. That fifty one team, granted, had a lot of talent, but Jason Kidd really made that thing work and really made that that whole team just kind of. Uh, you know, just just play so smoothly, so well. Um, he used to be Asin kid as a, as, a, as, a, as a teenager in my life, but he became one of the best three point shooters on that team and one of the greatest assist men of all of our time, one of the greatest point guards to ever live. Jason Kidd uh, on the All Decade team. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Raymond Felton. Now, there's two versions of Raymond Felton. There is the pre-mellow trade Raymond Felton when he was a borderline all-star, averaging 18 and 9 a game. And I remember he had an absolute monstrous game in Miami against 
the Heatles, the Super Heat with LeBron, Wade, and Boss, where he absolutely dominated them. I know it sounds crazy, but look it up. It really happened. Raymond Felton dominated the Heat and, and you know, one of the greatest teams ever assembled. Um, but, yeah, and then there was afterwards where he kind of put on a little bit more weight. He wasn't as, as shifty as he used to be, and uh, the, the lane was just a little bit more clogged. For him to kind of penetrate and dish and 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 do the things that he did when he had uh, a little bit more shooting around him, but uh, you know Raymond Felton, I guess by default the best Knicks point guard of the decade. On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Iman Shumpert. Pumps in a shump, my gosh, Shumpert, man. Uh, Shumpert will probably always be remembered for that famous putback slam against the Indiana Pacers, where he just suck the entire life out of of the garden with that with that dunk and just sent them into a, a bedlam uh but he always seemed like a guy that could have been so much more he was somebody who who has all the physical tools to be a great nba two guard but never really uh panned out uh completely i mean granted he did become an nba champion with the cleveland cavaliers and made some great plays for them and uh, I guess to some Knicks fans, he'll be remembered as the guy that they didn't want to trade for Kyle Lowry because Kyle Lowry was on the market and ready to become a Nick. But they asked for Shumpert and uh, the, the front office said no. So, yeah, uh, Shumpert, great player, great girlfriend and wife and kids. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Shump, especially off the court as well. Great guy. And was just let go by the Nets as well. Uh, for Wilson Chandler, who was another former Nick, who did not make this list. On the 11th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Pablo Prigioni. Yeah, Pablo, another Knicks favorite. If, uh, you know, And that's the one thing about playing for the New York Knicks. If you don't have to be a guy who puts up super huge numbers to be remembered, uh, and Pablo Prigioni is one of those guys. He came to the NBA in his late 30s and was still a very productive player. I always remember him for being one of the sneakiest players on the Knicks, just getting those those inbound steals that he just always had a knack for. Uh, great shooter, great passer, uh, very crafty, um, just smart, smart basketball player. And in a town like New York City, you always get uh, you always there's always a big appreciation those type of players that play heady basketball you don't need to be a guy dropping 20 and 10 a night for the garden to remember you so Pablo Prigioni definitely falls into that category and last but not least Kaz on the 12th day of Christmas my true love gave to me a little bit of Novocaine Steve Novak Steve Novak discount double check man uh Steve Novak probably one of the best three-point shooters the Knicks has ever had uh Really couldn't do pretty much anything else but shoot threes. But, boy, he could shoot it. And uh, he was a fan favorite. He was a guy from Wisconsin. So every single time he threw up a three, he threw up that – put that belt on, hit that Aaron Rodgers discount, double check, and he was an absolute fan favorite uh, of, the, of the guard and faithful. But that's it for our 12 Days of Nixmas. So let's throw it to our guy who has got paid to cover all these guys for the past decade. And joining us, as always, is longtime New York Knicks beat writer for the New York Post, my man Mark Berman, uh, talking to him right now after a embarrassing loss against the Washington Wizards. And uh, you were inside the locker room last night, and after the game, Julius Randle said, our approach the whole day was just terrible from shoot-around on. Um, talk to me about that quote and uh, how that quote may have uh, made a terrible loss sound even worse. Yeah, it was uh, a very devastated locker room. 
which to me is good. Uh, I like to see that. And there were losses last season where the players didn't seem to care and they were in the same type of spirits. But everyone was upset. Julius was the most vocal and seemed most downbeat. But other players were also, and they all seemed to point to this morning shoot-around uh, that occurred Monday morning where there was a lack of focus. Guys were sluggish. I'm sure there was a little too much joking around. You know, I'm not. I'm just assuming that maybe some of the young players weren't totally into it. I know Mitchell Robinson sometimes, after tough losses, he doesn't seem that bothered uh, and jokes around. But it was disturbing because Mike Miller now uh, through nine games is he starting to lose their attention so soon. We know that Fisdale, as much as he connected with the players in a friendly uh, way, you know, sort of like their friend, he stopped connecting with them as a head coach in terms of motivating them to play hard every single night and not getting his message across. And I'm wondering if this is the first sign of the players losing interest in Mike Miller. I mean, it's usually what happens, a new coach comes in and everyone's on their best behavior and everyone's really focused. Someone just lost their job and, you know, there's a great attention to detail. But after a certain time, it wears off. Now, how much do you think, in your opinion, does that have to do with the trade deadline? Uh, well, I guess the trade season opening up for the New York Knicks. A lot of players may not be sure if they're going to finish the, the season at Madison Square Garden. Do you think that has to do with anything or – you know, the fact that guys like Barrett, Dotson, and Randall spoke out openly about shoot-around, does that just speak to a, a, a larger cultural problem for the New York Knicks? I don't know. I think, you know, they got blown out two straight times by Miami and Milwaukee. And I think it kind of reality set in that we're probably not going to be in this playoff race. Look how far away we are. They really weren't in either game from the opening tip, they had played well before that. They were 3-3 three and three in the first six games of the Miller era. But as far as the trade deadline, I mean, that's not till February 8th or so. I know trade season began December 15th, but that's just a symbolic date where players are eligible to be traded. But I was told that it's going to take some time. Teams want to see where they are especially the Knicks, you know, they feel they felt going into December 15th, it was like a new season with a new coach and they wanted to see what they had. But what we're seeing is it's the same mediocre roster that Fisdale was dealing with. And uh, this game in Brooklyn, the next game is huge for Miller. He's really got to get them back on track. If they get blown out, I mean, that's going to be very bad news for Miller. And listen, there's some unemployed coaches on the sidelines right now. But, I, I mean, they want to finish the season with Miller, but if they're going to be blown out and lose to teams like the Washington Wizards, who had nobody left on their roster except Bradley Beal, I mean, it's it's just a terrible situation. Uh, speaking a little bit on the, you know, Mike Miller's side, uh, he just seemed like he didn't have the team prepared. And you spoke a little bit about, you know, sometimes you have that substitute teacher syndrome when uh, you, you might try and be on your best behavior for a little while, but then you just kind of revert back to your old ways. 
how much is this of an indictment on Mike Miller and not so much so the entire roster as a whole and just not being prepared to win NBA games on a regular basis? Well, I think he's a very good technician, tactician, X's and O's, and I think players were impressed uh, early on. But he doesn't have that dynamic personality. Uh, you know, it's, before this season, he had never been in the NBA. He, would, he was in the G League for four years with the Knicks, two years with Austin Spurs, and then before that, at two small colleges. So, you know, do they respect him in the way they respected Fisdale? You know, at first it looked like, you know, things were going on the right track. But you wonder, in the long term, as you said, he was good as a substitute teacher for six games. But, you know, now, you know, players probably don't think he'll be back next season anyway. And I have a feeling that, you know, already his message is not being, uh, you know, being uh, accepted right this second. Uh, they, they were awful yesterday against a terrible Wizards team, and they didn't compete against Milwaukee or Miami. So again, he, you know, they got a few days through Christmas. They're going to practice Christmas Eve. I'm not sure if they're definitely practicing on Christmas, but Miller has a lot uh, of preparation to do to get ready for the Nets. They do not want to get blown out in Brooklyn. That's not going to be something Steve Mills and Scott Perry want to see. Um, okay, so about a little bit schematics here. I mean, there there isn't a whole lot of bright spots, but uh, you know, Alfred Payton has been the stabilizing force at point guard, and it's kind of come on the behest of Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nielakina. Uh, do you think this is going to be a permanent position for Frank Nielakina, who showed some spark in the beginning of the season when he got that starting position, but has started to fade again and uh, not being much of a contributor for this team? Yeah, so Frank uh, demoted again. Uh, he's sort of the third point guard off the bench right now behind Alfred and Dennis. Dennis has impressed Miller with his ability to get into the paint after he missed those three straight games, and the Knicks played very well in the three games he missed. But Miller wants to be, to be a team that, you know, is able to get into the paint and create things. And Frank just has not improved. This is his third season, and he hasn't improved in that area of being a creative point guard that could get inside and either – try to finish or, you know, pass it out, draw a double team. He's not the most uh, – he moves the ball, and he's not always looking to shoot. In fact, he's rarely looking to shoot. So he moves the ball, but not in a way that puts someone in scoring position. So uh, his defense is still solid, but they need more from that position offensively. And Payton, you know, he got 12 assists last night, but the problem with Payton is – you know, he's not a very good outside shooter. He actually had a chance to tie the game with a three-point shot with 12 seconds left, and it was a complete brick. Wasn't surprised at all. Uh, you got three-point guards. Miller likes to say we have three-point guards who do different things, but there's not one complete point guard on that team. None of them are very good outside shooters. So, again, the point guard situation is a mess, and right now Frank is back as third strength. Mark, uh, it's been a rough year for the Knicks. It's been a rough season, but it's the holidays. Give me something good. Give me something I can share about, smile about, anything for a Knicks fan to listen to and be like, you know what? At least the Knicks have this going for them. It's positive, 
give me something to end positively on on this holiday season with the New York Knicks. Exactly. I mean, for the holidays, I'll have to give something out. Listen, Mitchell Robinson, he did have a good game yesterday, but he really is a force inside. He's just impossible to stop on these alley-oops if it's thrown correctly. He's a monster on these putbacks, you know, in the lane. He's got a nice touch. He still can't shoot a mid-range jumper, and he refuses to. But uh, And he's, for the most part, kept out of foul trouble. So we got a player there. Uh, he's, a, he's a building block. R.J. Barrett, is a lot of inconsistency. Last night he was terrific in the first half, kind of disappeared in the second half. But, you know, he's had some great nights. He's had some horrible nights. He's 19. I think he's still trending upward for the most part. And Damian Dotson, we don't talk about enough. A big game against Washington last night. He really spearheaded the comeback. A 3-and-D type player. He's starting to hit his three-point shots. Ferocious defender. Smart player. Good guy in the locker room. You know, second-round pick from 2017 via Phil Jackson. So, you know, management, you know, knows it's a Phil guy, but he may play himself into another contract here. And uh, I, I hope so, because he's, he's a real good thing, a good guy for the locker room. So those are the three bright spots. Kevin Knox is still up and down, had a great first quarter against Washington and then disappeared. But he's been playing a little better defensively. But overall, right now as a unit on both ends of the court, it's uh, much to be desired right now. Oh, Mark Berman, legendary beat writer for the New York Knicks. It's been a rough season for the good boys in the blue and orange, but we hope it's a great holiday for you and your family as well. Thank you so much as always for tuning in on Big Apple Buckets. All right, great, guys. Happy holidays to you, and uh, we'll talk uh, after the new year, I guess. And that's a wrap for this episode of Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast at the New York Post. Thank you to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it happen each and every week. And subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Kazim, and you can find more Knicks news by signing up to our daily New York sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We'll be back next Tuesday for our Big Apple Buckets year in review show. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays, a festivus for the rest of us, and we will see you next week.